We all want to be great, to have a purpose. The constraints of this world may hold us back. But what if we believe that we're not alone? What if we stopped trying to survive and made a decision to live? What would change if we knew we are right where we're supposed to be? It is not by chance, it's by design. Designed by the one who made us. What we have has been given to us. God blesses on purpose. What if all we had to do is believe every single day? Let's do this. Man, that pumps me up. Anybody else? Hey, help me do this. Help me welcome all those joining us at any of our physical campuses, those that are joining us online, Facebook Live, and of course, the men and women at our God Behind Bars campus. We love you guys. We're super glad that we get to worship with you. All right, we're in the middle of this series um, that we call On Purpose. And if there were ever a series that I would encourage you, if you missed a part, go get the app. Listen to it, get online, listen to the podcast, watch it. You, you need to catch up. But let me sort of recap the vision behind this series that we're in. It's based on sort of two verses, um, sort of two key verses, one of which was found, is found in Proverbs 3. It's the Living Bible, and it says this. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. We've been talking about over the last few weeks that having God first, it doesn't happen on accident, right? And Sean taught us just a couple weeks ago that if we're going to spend our time on purpose, like with God, this doesn't happen by accident. And last week, Chad taught about our resources, you know, like our treasure. And if we're going to give God first, like this doesn't happen on accident. It only happens on purpose, and Chad taught us in week one, so too, God blesses on purpose. And so this idea, this verse, this is one of those verses that we're trying to not just sort of encapsulate for this series, but Chad sort of said, man, what if this verse became like Red Rock's verse of the year? Like if Proverbs 3, 6, and then Matthew 6, 33, which reads this, but seek first his kingdom... And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What if that verse became our year verse? So, here's the question. With that in mind, I want you to think about this. Are you putting God first with your talent? Because this too, it doesn't happen on accident. Now, I want to ask this question. This isn't rhetorical. This is for all of us to participate. Anybody in this room, anybody in any of our campuses, by a show of hands, have you ever had a really bad job in your life? Anybody have a bad job? <laughs> like, everybody had a bad job? Yeah, you know, bad jobs, are, it, they can be bad for a multitude of reasons, but I was thinking about bad jobs, and has anybody been in a really bad job and had the thought, what, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting my talent in this really bad job? You ever had that thought when you're in the middle of a really bad job? Like, why am I wasting my talent in this bad job? 
I've thought about bad jobs and the worst job I've ever had, but here I thought would be fun is, um, since most of you raised your hand about the bad job, um, I want you to think about the worst job you've ever had. Okay, you got it? Now, share with the person on your left and right, or left or right, what is that job? What was the worst job you've ever had in your life? Why was it so bad? Ready, share, all of our campuses. What was, what was so bad about that job? Man, there's a lot of bad jobs. From the buzz in this room, we might need to get some job counseling. Okay, all right. Hey, I've had some bad jobs as well. It's funny when I think back about jobs, like work. Like, our work is the primary place where our talents seem to get used, right? So, like, if you've ever had a really bad job, it can be pretty easy to go, man, I don't see how what I do here God could ever use in a really bad job. But the truth is, even if you've had a really good job, like if you, you work at a dream job, it can be really hard to see, okay, so how do I put God first with the talents that I spend my day doing? And, and I know this can be hard because on a regular basis, on a regular basis, I get folks from Red Rocks coming up to me all the time saying, hey, Eric, how, how am I supposed to use my talent on purpose? I'm a, I'm a welder. What do I do with that? Or I'm a mechanic. How do I use that for God? I'm a stay-at-home parent. I'm a student, right? How do I do that on purpose? And this is what I fear. I fear that far too many of us when we're sort of pressed, when we think about our talent, we've decided to become spectators in one of the biggest areas of our lives for the simple reason that we just don't really know if our talent is kingdom talent, right? If what I do on a regular basis has any bearing or impact on kingdom gain. And so, we become spectators. And I don't think anybody becomes a spectator when it comes to our talent, sort of like with their, you know, you're, I don't think any of you are sitting back like this. I just think there's this sort of thought that maybe what I have just doesn't work for God's kingdom. And so like what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be a spectator and I'm gonna cheer on all the people who have kingdom talents. And you say, well, Eric, how would you know anything about that? Well, what you may not know about me is that I have not always done sort of, um, work inside of a church. In fact, my background is accounting. Huh? I have an accounting degree. I used to work in the oil and gas industry for a really long time. And as I thought about this idea of talent, I, I've spent the last few weeks thinking about that season in my life. And, and truthfully, a lot of what I'm gonna talk about today is just really what I went through as someone who wrestled with this idea of like, well, maybe my talent isn't a kingdom talent. Maybe my talent can't be an on-purpose kind of talent. I thought 
back to those days, and I started thinking, I wonder why it was that I chose to be a spectator, because I did. I chose to be a spectator. Now, um, one of the things you should also know is that I definitely, we all interned, all us guys that are a part of Red Rocks, we all interned together, so I knew ministry, but then I went to use my sort of accounting talents in the marketplace. And I think as I look back in that season as to why I, was, I struggled so much is because I had a couple ideas about talent that as I look back now are just fundamentally wrong. Now, I probably never would have said it this way, but I did have this thought when I was working in oil and gas. I had this thought that there are talents that are kingdom talents, there are talents that count, and then there are a bunch of talents that just don't count. And that's easy, right? Because we look at Chad and Sean, I look at them, and these dudes are so gifted, like they're really gifted communicators. Or we watch Tyler, or these folks that can play guitar. If I touch an instrument, that's a train wreck, right? I don't have that talent. And so I think it was really easy back in the day for me to say, well, yeah, of course. Like, those people, that's what God uses to advance his kingdom. And I'm gonna sit on the bleachers. I'm gonna come to church. I'm gonna root them on. I want them to do great. I'm gonna clap and I'm gonna sing. But that's the talent God uses to advance his kingdom. Again, maybe we don't quite say it this way, but I think we think it when it comes to talent. The, the other thing I thought about as to why it is that for a big, long stretch of my life, I sat in the bleachers was because there is also this idea that only the work that we do inside these four walls counts, right? I think there's this idea that only stuff here at this church counts for kingdom gain. Now listen, listen, listen. I believe with everything in my being that we should find a place to serve around this place, like to love people when they come in. And, and this hour, it does count and it matters. But if that's the only idea we have around purpose and our talent, we're missing a whole other segment. And it was funny, this just this last week, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who's a plumber. And I said, Darren, okay, I said, all right, how many tradesmen do you think go to Red Rocks Church? And he goes, oh, dude, tons, because I know most of them, tons. And I said, all right, okay. Um, how much work do you think we have inside these four walls for all those tradesmen? Do you think we could keep them busy? And he's like, even if we still had Heritage Square, we couldn't keep them all busy. We, we just can't. And I thought, well, gosh, if the only stuff inside these walls, if that's all that counts, then that stinks for a bunch of guys who have a skill. And maybe we wouldn't say it that way, but I think, I think sometimes we take a pass on advancing God's kingdom with our talent because we believe either it has to be done here and there's no room at the end for us, or I don't have a talent that counts. Now, I want to read this verse to you. I want to read a verse, something that Jesus said. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says that then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth, it has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, you notice that when Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, that he makes no qualifier, qualifying statement. You notice he doesn't say, those of you that have special gifts and skills, go and make disciples. You know, he doesn't qualify who goes, and he doesn't say, go to the church, that's where you have to go. Do you notice he says, go, everybody go and make disciples. And I don't know when it was in my journey um, out in the marketplace when the, when the, the, the sort of the, the switch flipped for me. But I remember that it did. And I remember thinking, wait a minute. Maybe the way I'm thinking about my talent is all wrong. Maybe everything I've thought about talent that sidelined me from ministry, maybe I'm not thinking about this right. So I'm going to use bleachers again as a metaphor because, you know, for me, if you want to try to explain, that same plumber, Darren, was over at my house and he was trying to explain the gas line. I'm like, dude, you got to talk to me like I'm in second grade. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm going to use a visual aid here. So, so what if talent is like this? We were talking about sitting in the bleachers, right? So what if talent, you've ever been to a sporting event, right? You've been to a sporting event where you got to buy a ticket. And you get a ticket, and that ticket gets you a row in the bleachers, okay? I started thinking way back, what if talent is just like a ticket to a row in the bleachers, right? So like if you're an accountant, you get a ticket to the accounting row. All us nerds. <laughs> this is a row of people. Now, I get on this row um, because of my skill. My talent is a ticket to be on a row with a bunch of other accountants. But, but you could use that for any skill. I don't know. Maybe right now your talent is that like, um, you, you work in a restaurant and you manage a restaurant. And that ticket gets you onto the row where a bunch of people are. A lot of people like you. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or dad. First of all, let's talk about stay-at-home parents. Stay-at-home mom and dads. If you don't think they, don't, they have talent, dude, they are like a CEO and a maid and a doctor all wrapped up into one and to keep it together, they have a ticket too. And their row, there's a bunch of other folks just like them. What if, what if, what if talent, all it was, was it got you a ticket onto a row where a bunch of people are? What if it got you on a row where a bunch of people who don't know Jesus are? And what if it got you on a row where a bunch of people don't know Jesus who Chad or Sean or Eric wouldn't necessarily have access to? What if that's what talent does? See, because the more I started thinking about talent, that became a game changer for me. Like when I was working at Transmontane, it was probably about um, month 12, this thought came to me. I went, wait, 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 wait. My talent as an accountant has got me in the door of this place. 
there are 400 people that work in this place. Of these 400 people, there's a bunch of people that don't know Christ. It was a game changer. I mean, this should be, if you think about it, a game changer for every single one of us. Think about it. Every talent represented within the sound of my voice, every single talent, if this is the way it really works, it's just a ticket to a row where people are, it could be used, right? It's about the row, the people in the row. I'm called to the people in my row. So this means your talent can be used. And this is the start. But, just like everything else we've talked about, even if that's true, your talent is a ticket to a row of people who may not know Jesus. That's the start. And that was what was the start for me. So I'm gonna walk you through, if you wanna live your talent on purpose, I'm gonna walk you through what I've learned. Like, how do you then use that access to the row of people to live out your talent on purpose? Okay, if you have, this is interactive. If you have a pen or paper or phone or anything to take notes, this would be an awesome time to pull it out. All right, pull it out, pull it out, pull out the phone, pretend, indulge, you just come on, pretend, act like you're doing something. Okay, here's where we start. Every single person at every single campus, here's what we know. You have a talent to put you on a row with some people. Who's on your row? I want you to list it right now. Not 152 people. I want you to list three people right now. If you stopped and thought about it, three people who are sitting on your row. Now, you don't have to know if they're super far from God. You don't have to know all that much about them. I'm talking about right now, there are three people that you have access to because of your job. Who are they? Think, type, write. When I started this journey, there were three people on my row. Now, I sat on a trading desk and we worked at the Republic Plaza and there was a guy across from me, we'll call him Nick. There was another guy named Ben and then there, there was another guy named Chris, okay? That was who they were. I made a list. I said, all right, if talent gives me access and I'm gonna be on purpose, what's my first step? Step number one, I've gotta connect intentionally with these three people. Like if you want your talent to work on purpose, remember it's not gonna happen accidentally. I decided I have to connect intentionally with these three guys. So for the next um, 12 months, I look for every opportunity to take these guys out to lunch, to go out to breakfast. If they stayed late, I'd stay late. We had some travel. We had to go to Atlanta to do work. I had travel partners with those guys. I intentionally connected with the sole purpose of just getting to know who these guys are. That's it. I just wanted to know who they were. I wanted to know about them, their families, their lives. These were the guys. So connecting intentionally is where you start. Like, there are people on your row connecting intentionally. That's step one. And, and look, being intentional, it looks different. It's not always, like, the same amount of time. And, and the methods that 
sort of you use to connect with people, they're as different as people are. So it could be going to coffee or playing around a golf, skiing, shopping, I don't know. But you have to do something intentionally. Step one, you want to make your talent like really be on purpose. Identify the people on your row and connect with them intentionally. Step number two, look for God to be at work. Now, this one was a challenge for me because the truth is I didn't start off going to work thinking that God was at work anywhere at my work, right? Anybody else? Like, I went to work to do my work, to fill out my expense reports, to deal with my boss that didn't really like me, half the day who's schizophrenic, to, you know, to get the job done today, to make the sale, to do the deal, right? That, that's what I did at my job. And, and oftentimes, I think, for lots of us, we show up to our work and we're hurried or distracted and sometimes meetings are just an annoyance, right? And people are just part of the job. But somewhere along the way, I'm like, Do you, I, got, I got to start looking for God to be at work on my row. I've got to start to train myself to see God at work. Look, we have to start training ourselves if we're really going to get serious about using our talents. It's not enough just to connect intentionally. We have to train ourselves to see where God might be at work on that row. And here's what I know. God is at work. Whether we see him or not at work, that's a different conversation. But Jesus says this in John 5, 17. My father is always working, and so am I. So he's at work on the row. We just have to start looking for him. Now, I've used this analogy before, um, but I, I can't help it. It's like the perfect analogy of trying to start seeing where God's at work. Have you ever seen one of those Where's Waldo books? Anybody ever seen those books? All right, well, if you haven't seen it, um, I have kids, so we have Where's Waldo's book in the house, you know. It, it, this guy that, that made this book, his name's Martin Hanford, and he started just by drawing these scenes, and he would put the, this little Waldo guy in these scenes of people. Well, kids just got fascinated because they wanted to find Waldo. Well, it took off. He sold like 40 million copies of Where's Waldo in like 28 countries. So lots of kids like to find Waldo. Um, but here's what he says about these scenes. Here's what he says. He says, the author said, he hides Waldo so children can learn to be aware of what's going on around them. Here's what he says. He goes, I like them to see wonder in places. It might not have occurred to them. And, and here's what we know about Waldo. I can tell you with my kids. The more practice you have of spotting Waldo, the easier it becomes to spot Waldo. Right? You, ever, you ever sat with a kid who like has lots of Waldo books? Dude, they find Waldo so fast on the pages. And I'm still looking. I'm going, no, no, turn it back. I can't find him. Because you get in a habit, a practice of finding him. And I think, again... This might be a pretty good analogy of how it works with God. That sometimes we fail to see him at work on our row at work, right? Because we just don't expect to see him. Because we're not looking. Because we're not practicing. I love what Lamentations 3.25 says. The Lord is good to those who wait hopefully and expectantly for him. To those who 
seek him. See, once you've connected, once you've used your talent to get on your wall, once you've connected intentionally, and then you start looking for God to show up, I need to say a few things about this. Now, looking is different than doing. And I know how this works. Like, some of us, man, we have the spiritual gift of evangelism. And we have, actually, we have like the spiritual gift of just like getting in God's way and trying to hurry him up, right? Because sometimes we see stuff happening and we're like, well, God, you, I know you're gonna, you're gonna show up, right? You're gonna do, okay, I'll, I'll do it. We'll, we'll get back together later. And so we step in and we have conversations that are way too early or way too blunt. Look, looking is just about looking, about being patient about seeing what God's up to in the lives of these three people that you're now invested in. And, and God's time doesn't always work on our time. He doesn't always show up exactly when we want him to show up. But this stage is sort of like, no, just, just look. Look for what he's doing in the lives of these three people you're now invested in. And that leads to step three that I learned. We'll call it be ready. Now, have any of you ever done something like in your life where you knew it was going to be like a really scary challenge and so you had to like mentally prepare yourself? I'll give you an example. Um, so when we first moved to Colorado, I had never been um, snowboarding ever, never been on a snowboard. And um, we have a good friend, his name's Mikey. He uh, volunteered to take me up snowboarding and to teach me how to snowboard. Well, I've later since learned that he's done this with all of our friends, what I'm about to explain to you, including Sean. Um, he took me to the mountain. I didn't have a snow coat. He said, yeah, you'll be fine. I'd like cotton gloves, <laughs> simple like button up. I don't blue jeans or sweatpants. And um, I'm like, so, Mikey, you're, you're, you're going to teach me how to do this, right? He's like, oh, teaching how to do this. We get on the lift. We go up the lift. About halfway up the lift, I'm like, man, this is a really long lift. He's like, it'll be fine. I'm like, so what's the key to snowboarding, Mikey? Because I'm ready. He's like, well, you're, you're going to want to point your board down the hill and just don't catch an edge. I said, I don't know what that means, don't catch an edge. He goes, you'll figure it out. You're athletic. <laughs> we get up to the top of the hill, and I get, I look over, and I go, hey, Mikey, that sign, it has two black diamonds. What does that mean? It's fine. I'll see you at the bottom. He's gone. I'm at the top of a double black. I think I was sitting, getting ready to go into some sort of bowl. I'm sitting there with, with, with a board strapped to my feet, and it was one of those moments where I had been thinking about going snowboarding for like, I really wanted to learn. Because, right, if you're in Colorado, you got to learn how to ski or snowboard. I wanted to be Colorado, and so I was ready. And you have to do the count thing, because when you're standing at the edge of a double black, even now when I stand at the edge of a double black, it just seems like a terrible idea. Um, that, but when you're standing there, you just have to go, okay, one, two, Count of three, Eric. One, two. On the count of three, dude. Here we go. Okay, one, two. And then on the three you go, right? I, I felt like um, sometimes this one, two, three, go, I feel like that, that sense of trepidation, that sometimes happens when God does 
finally open the door into the lives of people we care about, right? Where, where you get like the, in your throat and you're like, I don't know what to say. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever read the Bible. You know, you start really freaking out. <laughs> I don't know where to start. What am I going to tell them? <sighs> what if I lead them astray? And, and, and ready, already is, already is, is, and I think when you think back to Sean's message a few weeks ago, I think we use like our time with God to ready ourselves in these relationships. Like these things sort of all marry together, right? This isn't like, they're like mutually exclusive. Where we go, God, when you open the door, I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be ready. And so I'm gonna be ready to take the risk or I'm gonna be ready to make the ask or ready to go to the hospital. God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm gonna be ready. And look, let me just say this. If having that conversation with somebody you care about freaks you out, well, you're in awesome company. It freaks everybody out. That's like a super personal, important, critical, life-changing conversation. The Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He says in Ephesians 6, 19, and don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. You're in fine company that you get a knot in your throat. All you got to do is kind of say, all right, God, when you open the door, I'm going to count to three. And that leads to step number four. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. You know why I'm so, I'm so passionate about this? Because you will spend 109,000 hours literally, of your life in your workplace. You'll spend more time at work than you sleep or eat or do anything else. This is the biggest purpose-filled mission field in the world. And it's sitting right in front of every single one of us. You go. You count to three and you go. And so for an entire year, I did those first three things. I built relationships with three guys. I was looking for God to be at work. I was ready in myself for when God said go, and then it happened. So it was, I'll never forget it, the end of a work day. I'm walking up to the board and I'm writing in all the statistics from the day. Most of the office had cleared out and Nick was sitting at his desk. Now, this is what you have to know about Nick. 30 years old, made more money than I'll ever see in his first like five years. I mean, than I'll make in my whole life. Uber, uber rich. Drove awesome cars. Built like a tank. Had like a different like supermodel girlfriend every month. Had great hair. Good for him. And this is who I'd been, I mean, he was a fun guy anyway. I just thought he was cool. And I walked by his desk after writing the deal, and you just know, like, you just know. You're like, something's about to happen. I was like, hey, dude, what's up? He was like, ah. Oh. And that was the signal. I remember I walked to my desk, I went, one, two, three, go. So what's up, man? <laughs> For the next, like, I don't even know how long. 
He told me about how his life had no meaning and no purpose and all the money and the cars and it was all a joke and his life. I mean, he just poured it out. All I did was sit there and listen, listen. They finally kicked us out of the office and I, we used to work, I worked at the Republic Plaza building downtown and so there used to be a Barnes and Noble right on the corner of 16th Street Mall. I'm like, you wanna, you wanna go to Barnes and Noble real quick? Grab coffee? Walked over to Barnes and Noble. The only thing I could think to do, the only thing I could think to do, guys, I interned at a church. I ought to know what to do. I, could, I was like, didn't know what to do. I, I'm like, I'll be right back. I went to the Christian aisle and I found like a Max Licato book. I don't even know what the book was. I just grabbed it off the shelf and I came back and I was like, and you just read this, okay? <laughs> I gave it to him. I said, we'll get, we'll get together in the next couple weeks. And... Um, the next morning, I came into the office. I was on the way home. I was like, yes, thanks, God, you're the best. I get to the office. I'm sitting at my desk. It's 5.30 in the morning. We had to be in early. Um, he comes in like Kramer the next morning. His hair is messed up. He has the same clothes on, and he has the book in his hand. And he comes over to my desk. He goes, I got to talk to you right now about this book. <laughs> at first, I'm like, oh, boy. What did I give him? What book did I give him? He walks me out in the hallway. He goes, this, this? I stayed up all night. I read the whole thing. We got to talk about this right now. We walked over to the other Starbucks that's right there, Republic Plaza, and right there in a booth at Starbucks, he gave his life to Jesus. Like right there. His whole life changed. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. I'm certainly nothing special. I am, thank you, thank you very much for that. <laughs> Off the bench. Um, I am, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know any more special things. I don't have, like, my talents aren't any more important than anybody else's talent. Look, I don't know any tricks about leading people to Christ or following Jesus. I'm just a guy. So if I can do this, if I can do this, you can do the same thing with the people in your row. You, you can. And, and, and you can take your talents and use them on purpose. And I know you can because it's happening. I get stories week in and week out of people who are taking their talents, giving them access to a row, pouring in the people on the row and change is happening. Watch this. So I moved to Denver five years ago for a job as assistant coach with the Broncos. Um, met my girlfriend now, Kate. Uh, she, you know, offered to bring me to Red Rocks, um, and I came. And uh, you know, it's it's Red Rocks Church has been a an anchor in my life. You know, rock. Uh, a, st a stability point here in Denver, November of 2015, um, I came to Christ and my life's never been uh, the same. Went to college for kinesiology. I started uh, being a strength coach uh, right after college. Um, worked for Jacksonville Jaguars for three years and then uh, moved here with the Broncos. So my job uh, really is doing everything from a mental, physical standpoint, getting the guys ready to play on Sunday. When I came to Christ, it was November of 2015. Um, 
That was an amazing season, not only for my faith, uh, but for my career uh, and for the Denver Broncos. This year we won the Super Bowl. You know, I was, I was uh, extremely grateful to, to have that blessing and to have that opportunity and, and that it turned out the way it did. But I was left with a, you know, once you've, you, you go and as a coach, you're, that's the pinnacle, it's winning the Super Bowl, right? Um, and I was left with a little bit of like, what next? And I'm like, this surely can't be my purpose to just win a Super Bowl. But I said, there's gotta be, I, I can make a bigger impact with what I've been blessed with. And so I talked to another strength coach uh, at another university, a good friend who's a, a, another Christ follower. And we just decided to start a strength conditioning organization um, that was faith-based. Uh, it's called Strength Coach Outreach. Um, and we're, we put on a conference in June of 2016. There were doubts. You know, I was, you know, what if five people come? What if, you know, what if 50 people come and then now, holy cow, what am I gonna do, right? It's just me and, me and my buddy. Whatever our profession, right? Whatever environment um, we are in, right? In our work life, and our personal life, there's your, there's your first start and who's on your row. Um, you, you share similar beliefs, you share a similar skill, you share a similar trade. Um, so looking to your left and right, for me, it was other strength coaches. So if you ever, if there's ever doubts, it's stopped and saying, hey, my intent here is to care for that other person and, and um, share with them all the things that I was blessed with uh, and, and whoever, who that person was in my life that, that brought me to Christ they had the same intentions for me. And if they didn't, if they didn't step up for me, I may not be sitting here talking to you. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, we're not responsible to God for the souls that are saved, but we are responsible for the gospel that is preached and for the way in which it is preached. So I've heard from so many people, yeah, but I'm just not a pastor. I've heard people say, I'm not clergy. I don't know what to say. I'm not really cut out for that sort of thing, Eric. Well, when I was putting this together, I was reminded of Chad's, um, sort of how he titled his message, right? Did you notice it was secret, secret, super cheesy, super brilliant? <laughs> and so I thought, well, gosh, you're not a pastor. If you do these four things and you shorten it down, C-L-R-G, C-L-R-G, huh? it's just like one of those truth bombs, a grenade, it takes a moment, clergy. You do this, your clergy is super cheesy. Your clergy, you are a pastor. And I fear that too many of us, like we're taking a pass at living on purpose in one of the biggest areas of our life. For the simple reason, many of us have just concluded, I'm just not cut out to do that. And so they say, well, I'll attend church and I'll read my Bible and I'll pray and I'll serve. But as far as like spreading the good news of Jesus in my workplace, man, I, 
I, that task would be better left to somebody who's just good with words and that's not my thing and I just don't think I can. My talent just isn't kingdom talent. That's just not true. Everything, everything in your life has kingdom purpose potential, including your work. But it only has kingdom impact if you decide to do something with it. And it's not gonna happen on accident. You can do this. You can do this. Because I know that any time that we step into this calling to connect with somebody on our row, to be looking for God to be at work on that row, to be ready to act when God says go and then we go, anytime we do that with people on our row, it isn't just us at work anymore. Anytime anybody takes a risk of pointing somebody towards Jesus, it's not just me, it's not just you. And my job and your job is just to say, in whatever environment, whatever job I have, the talents that have got me onto this row, I'm gonna connect and I'm gonna look and I'm gonna be ready and then I'll go. You can do this. Jesus will show you the way. You just have to take this step. This is what on purpose looks like with your talent. It is. And isn't it cool because everybody gets in on it? And I know, I know, if you've been coming to Red Rocks for any time at any of our campuses, you know we've got a space problem. We can't seem to figure out how to get enough seats in here. But honestly, I've been thinking about this. If we all took this seriously, and we got on purpose with our talent in our workplace, and we just like CLRG'd it, if we did that, I'm not sure that we could fit all that transformation and life change in mile high. There is no lack of opportunity. There are people who are desperate and hungry for Jesus. And God wants you to be a part of transforming people's lives. God wants to change your row and he wants to use you to do it. Are you in? That's it. That's it. All right, let's pray. God, thanks that whatever our talents are, really what it's about is access. If we're gonna live on purpose, really the purpose is, how do we introduce people that we know on our rows to you? How do we connect with them? How, how do we continue to be looking for you to be at work? How do we ready ourselves so that when you flip the switch, we can go? God, thank you for making us a part of your plan, for using us to extend your kingdom. Give us all courage to go in our workplaces this week and with confidence begin the process of living on purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's worship together.